The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? I had no idea. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. We are battling today. Training camp battles, position fights. Uh, it's a little bit of hyperbole, uh, but... That will make a big fantasy impact. We welcome you to the show. We're also going to look at players that could be on the rise or maybe falling in average draft position or ADP as we call it in the biz uh, over the next month or so. Maybe Allen Robinson moves up. Uh, Christian Kirk right now is not even a top 100 pick. He's wide receiver 42. That could be a guy who's on the rise. Maybe Ezekiel Elliott moves down. Maybe Tony Pollard moves up. We'll talk about it right now on Fantasy Football Today. Send us your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Getting a lot of emails, so I can't read all that many, but fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. But I will respond to some of them personally, which, of course, is a nice consolation prize. I'm Adam Azer with Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard. Jamie, what's the biggest training camp battle to watch? Yes, me or Dave? Jamie. You're Jamie. Yeah, you're Jamie. Get out there a second. Um, I think it's the two quarterback uh, battles that are at least the ones that make the most sense. The one in Carolina and the one in Seattle. Uh, Seattle obviously is going to determine, you know, what we think of, you know, uh, you know, the Seahawks passing game and obviously what the running back situation will be there. And then the uh, the Carolina Pan- Panthers um, quarterback situation, you know, figuring out if, if Sam Donald actually has a chance to compete with Baker Mayfield. So both those ones, uh, anytime you get a quarterback battle, those will be the ones – be the ones that have the most intrigue. Are you hesitant to rank DJ Moore as if Baker Mayfield will be his quarterback as of right now? You mean if Sam Darnold will be his quarterback? So where do you have DJ Moore 10th? I know you wouldn't have him there if Sam Darnold with a quarterback. So Correct. Do you, as of right now, as you do your rankings on July 26th. I expect Baker Mayfield to win the job. Yeah, but are, yeah. You, hesitant, are you hesitant at all to rank Moore as if Mayfield will win the job? Do you think it's a legit competition, basically? I do. I do. I think it is really? a legit competition. You know, Matt Rules is going to, I think, allow Sam Darnold to to win the job. They don't have a huge investment in Baker Mayfield. So, you know, there's nothing that says he has to be the guy. He should be the guy. But based on his play last year while playing injured, he was uh, not very successful. So if they like Darnold better, uh, they need their eyes checked. But if they like Darnold better, then, you know, they're going to give him the chance to, you know, still win the job. I doubt that happens, but I think they'll give him every opportunity to do so. I think Baker has to get hurt for Darnold to win that job. I just, I, I can't see it. I just, I, I'd be stunned. Mm. I think that's the only way. I think Baker was brought in to take that job, and as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I mean, you kind of said it, you know, like, it, they they will be a better team with Baker. We've talked about it. Yeah. Than they would ever be with Darnold. But in terms of a quarterback competition, Jamie isn't going to rule it out. Very good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, for Seattle, Dave, this is one that you wanted to highlight as well. The Seattle quarterback competition, Geno Smith uh, versus Drew Locke. Which is what it is right now. Right. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Geno Smith did start three games last year. He threw for 209, 167, and 195 yards. That doesn't sound very good, and it isn't very good, but he barely threw. He threw 32, 22, and 24 times. Of course, there was an 84-yard touchdown catch by DK Metcalf that should not have counted. It really inflates the stats for everyone, for Metcalf and Geno Smith. He he totally threw Marshawn Lattimore to the ground. I just watched it again this morning. It's um, a fun play. But when you look at Metcalf's stats in those three games, that really makes it look a lot better because that would have been a one-catch-for-12-yard game with no touchdowns against the Saints if if he didn't have any. Oh, yeah, two-touchdown game against Jacksonville, though. He did. He had six catches, 43 yards, and two touchdowns. Lockett had 142 yards on 13 targets in that game against Jacksonville. But the you know, the, the passing game was not good, really, against Pittsburgh or New Orleans. Um, anyway, uh, you know, if, is there a big difference, Dave, between Drew Locke and Geno Smith if those are the two guys that are going to end up battling for this job? I think Drew Locke has a stronger arm. So if if he's the guy, I think that helps a little bit with Metcalf and Lockett. Certainly gives them the potential to catch more passes, fifteen plus yards downfield, than they would with Geno. Lock also like won't be afraid to make those downfield throws. I'm not going to say that he will be accurate when he makes those downfield throws, but he's much more of a chance taker than Geno Smith, who's you know he's the caretaker. He's going to keep things you know manageable and simple. But I think that you're probably going to, if these are the two quarterbacks that Seattle ends up with, you're going to see both of them throughout the season. And so there will be points where DK Metcalf, you're going to hope he's going to be a touchdown dependent wide receiver. And Tyler Lockett, you're just not going to feel good about starting him, really, whoever the quarterback is going to be. And I think that's reflected in Tyler Lockett's ADP. And sorry about my voice being so weird today. Yeah, Dave's still recovering from COVID. Hopefully, uh, everyone in the household getting better there. Tyler Lockett's ADP on Fantasy Pros and PPR is wide receiver 38. He's going 88th overall, just after Elijah Moore and Rashad Bateman. Would anybody take Lockett ahead of Elijah Moore or Rashad Bateman? No. No. Uh, Maybe Elijah Moore. Okay. Maybe. The the next wide receiver off the board is Drake London. No. I'll go with London and PPR. Yep. Yeah, I want, I want to give a sort of convoluted but interesting stat on Tyler Lockett. So follow along, everybody, and you guys can tell me if it's confusing. But in the last four seasons— Your stats are never confusing. Yeah, exactly. In the last four seasons, he's caught eight to ten touchdowns in each year. Very, very good. Now, if we remove all games played an odd-numbered weeks on the East Coast— Just kidding. All right, the last four seasons, <laughs> eight to ten cu- touchdowns each year, right? In three of those seasons, he had a, a fairly high A dot. Not like MVS high or anything, but you know, in the twelve to thirteen kind of range in A dot. That's kind of been Tyler Lockett's thing. Uh, in those three seasons, he caught twenty-eight touchdowns, and only five of them were from inside the ten-yard line. That is amazing. Um, twenty-eight <laughs> touchdowns, five in, from inside the ten-yard line. But he did have this other season, twenty twenty, where his A dot was pretty low, nine point seven. ADOT is average depth of target. That tells you how far his routes are when he's being targeted. Uh, seven of his 10 touchdown catches actually came from inside the six-yard line that year. So basically, in the three seasons where he ran more downfield, was targeted more downfield, his touchdowns were long touchdowns. And that should scare you because that's the Russell Wilson connection. But when he did play a shorter route, shorter target uh, you know, role, he caught a lot of short touchdown passes. So I think the thing with Lockett is, you know, can he get to the eight to 10 touchdowns that he's had each of the last four years? And I, my conclusion would be not unless he changes his style and goes to his 2020 mode where he's 
high catch, you know, PPR kind of stud, low, uh, low A dot, lower yards per catch kind of guy. He'd have to become that player. Otherwise, he just you're not going to see those Russell Wilson scrambles around, finds Lockett downfield for the 40-yard touchdown that we see twi- two, three times a year, it seems, you know? Right. That's out the window. But I think that if the Seahawks are smart, that's what they're going to do with their offense, especially when it's Geno under center. They're just going to have him get rid of the ball quickly. So slants, digs, outs, screens, all those things, it's not going to be good for his yardage. His metrics are going to stink. But he'll rack up catches that way. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's just a couple of the training camp battles to watch. Right. we got a lot now, more to now talk that, about. That's not my favorite training camp battle. Oh, go for it. Hey, wait, wait, wait. I, hold on, hold on. If you want more of Dave's favorite takes, you'll get them anyway. But if you like them, then you should vote for us at podcastawards.com. I'm only going to remind you for a few more days because it ends at the end of the month. Go to podcastawards.com. And if you want to be specific, podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. But, or you can scan that QR code in the top right above Dave's head on YouTube. And uh, yeah, just vote for us. Three categories, best sports podcast, best male hosted podcast, and people's choice. And uh, we'd really, really appreciate it. We need your support. We want to win this year. If we win, I will be your best friend. I will have dinner with you. It'll be. Will great. you throw a pizza party? I'll throw a pizza. I'll cook pizza for you. I don't. I, I told I, you I'll do. I'll run every league that we have available. That's right. Jamie's gonna be the. Don't commissioner you already run almost leagues. every league that we have? Available? No, no. I mean, I'll do. I'll, I'll do all the podcast league promises that I've been giving away. There you go. Also, you can hear us on your smart speakers, and you should be watching Fantasy Football Today on YouTube at youtube.com slash today. We have exclusive content there, including live mock draft every Tuesday. Uh, we don't know the time, right? Today it's going to be 1 p.m. That's going to change because FFT is starting soon on CBS Sports HQ. Um, but today at 1 p.m. Eastern, join us for a PPR mock draft. Midnight every Tuesday is moving forward. It's going to be something. <laughs> going to be late. Uh, all right, uh, Dave, your favorite, your favorite sleeper. Go to Dallas. No, no this is your favorite, favorite training camp, camp battle. Camp battle, camp battle, camp battle. Go to Dallas, but overlook the running backs. Overlook the receivers. Overlook the tight ends. Go to the kickers. It's Jonathan Garibay versus Liram Hasraulu. <laughs> Are no. we really doing now? Come on, different no. Dallas. It's the Packers receivers. Oh. Because every spot there is up for grabs, it seems like. Uh, we can We can make sense of Alan Lazard being a starter there. Are we sure Sammy Watkins is going to make the team? Randall Cobb probably will be a starter there. How high will Christian Watson ascend? Is Romeo Dubs a sleeper? Is there somebody else that we're overlooking? I think that's I think that's the camp battle. Who's going to be the guy that Aaron Rodgers ends up peppering with targets? And right now, you guys really like Lazard at his value. Yes. Which is, I'll tell you in a moment... I think and I like Lazard and Watson as a combo platter, too. 114th overall, Lazard is wide receiver 47 right now. Oh, the, the receiver I forgot is Amari Rogers, who was one of your favorites, Adam, as a rookie. And I, I liked him initially. Before as a the Cobb trade. Before the Cobb trade. Before the Cobb trade, you liked him a lot. And I liked him as a prospect. And apparently he's he's improved. There, there was good talk about him, good buzz during the OTAs. And we'll see if he can end up working in as a role beyond special teams for the Packers. So a lot of a lot of a lot of openings there. Fantasy managers have to pay attention to that. Uh would you like to hear a Randall Cobb statistic that might make you raise your eyebrows a little bit? Yeah, let's let's go. Let's see if you can do it. Okay. I'm raising my eyebrows. Uh 
Uh, well, no, you can't do it now. You have to hear the stat first. Well, of then... course, we remember that famous Thursday night game without Devontae Adams where he caught two touchdowns, 15 yards. But he played the first 12 weeks of the season. Randall Cobb missed the last six games with a groin injury. In those 12 weeks, he was second on the team and 15th in the NFL with 12 red zone targets. And he actually, Randall Cobb, led the Packers before his injury. He led the Packers and was 14th in the NFL with six goal-to-go targets. And Devontae Adams had five. So yeah. I'm sure some of those goal-to-go targets did come in that one game without... Uh, I, actually, I, guess I shouldn't say I'm sure about that, but it's it's quite possible when you had two touchdown catches on, in 15 yards. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that is a guy that people... I, I mean, our listeners email me about it sometimes or tweet me about it. They think we're overlooking Randall Cobb, and maybe in the sense that he could be a reliable end zone target for Aaron Rodgers. I just thought that was interesting that other than Devontae Adams, he was the guy that uh, that Rodgers looked to the most while he was healthy. And you think about it, he Rodgers needs those gotta-have-it targets. The, when it's third down and six and they need to convert to keep a drive alive, how, how willing will he be to trust Christian Watson or uh, Sammy Watkins or even Lazard at that point? And he's played with Randall Cobb for years. He begged for them to trade for him last year. Could end up being way better than we thought and much bigger piece of that offense. What was you the, could, you could the do worse than with a late again? pick. It was the Arizona game, right? It's three catches. No, 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 the games that you said, the, the amount of games? Oh, 12, 12, uh, 12 weeks. I don't know if it was 12 games or 12 weeks. But from week one through 12. Pro- was he with them by. in week one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He uh, he was he led the team in goal to go targets and he was second on the team in red zone targets. He was top fifteen or top sixteen in the NFL in both red zone and goal to go targets. Okay, that's Randall Cobb. Uh, thumbnail requirement. I make these thumbnails before I know who we're going to talk about. So we are going to talk about Elijah Moore. I asked you guys for some potential ADP risers. None of you said Elijah Moore, but I'm sure you could see it. I'll just bring it sure. up because he's in the thumbnail next to Dave. He's currently wide receiver 36. He's going 85th overall. If you've been listening to Jacob Gibbs, every time Jacob Gibbs gets a chance to talk about Elijah Moore, he sees some really, really encouraging data. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's kind of convincing me that I want to at least have more exposure to Elijah Moore. So could he move ahead? The three guys going ahead of Elijah Moore right now are Hunter Renfro, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Devontae Smith. Would you take him ahead of any of those three? If, um, if Wilson or Corey Davis were to get hurt or just absolutely slump in training camp, then I think I could I could take him over Juju, maybe, and over Devontae Smith, maybe. Not Renfro? I didn't maybe. think you guys like that. I, I mean, the, I, I think Renfro is going to be better than we think. He's kind of underrated. Um, Renfro would be the only one I would probably take him over right now, but... I think the problem with Elijah Moore is this is going to be another situation for the next several years if Zach Wilson does not improve, where mm-hmm. the talented wide receiver does not get the production because of the lack of quarterback play. Uh, as Dave said, Corey Davis and, and Garrett Wilson get hurt, then there's a little bit more to like about Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore's best numbers last year came when it was not Zach Wilson under center. He had two quality games with Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's best receiver for him was Corey Davis. Um, now you're, you know, injecting another talent into the into the mix with Garrett Wilson and what he brings to the table. Probably a better run game with Brees Hall. And so 
you know, will, will the target opportunity and, and better tight end play? You know, I think whether it's CJ Uzama or Tyler Conklin, you know, the tight ends are better too. So it's just tough to say that Elijah Moore will get the volume that he needs because that's, I think, going to be the, the thing that caps his production. Yeah, I just I guess I could see some reports. Elijah Moore is clearly the best receiver at camp. And these are not far not far fetched reports either. And no. there could be some some helium for Elijah Moore. News well, and notes. But, uh, oh. Those reports, in order for the helium to really mean something, there need to be reports about Zach Wilson being better too. Maybe, yeah. Can't get much worse. I'm honestly. sure those reports will be there. I mean, mm. he's throwing against air, you know, so he's probably gonna look good. I don't know. And Were they there during OTAs? Uh, I don't know. There was one, I, I remember one negative report on him during, during OTAs. Right. But I remember that one too. We'll see. All right, we'll keep an eye on the Jets. They'll be so interesting. If if the Jets had a good quarterback, they'd they'd have one of the best offenses in, <laughs> in football. And look, you know, maybe that Wilson does improve in year two. Maybe. News and notes. This was interesting. Kyler Murray's new contract includes requirements to watch film of upcoming opponents. That's mm. interesting. He probably, you know didn't that want, means. he probably didn't want that leaked. Just he, was, he was pulling a Jamarcus. It's not, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Daniel Popper of The Athletic thinks that Chargers wide receiver Josh Palmer will become the clear number three wide receiver for the Chargers. Is Josh Palmer worth drafting um, ahead of Randall Cobb? Would you rather have Palmer or Cobb? Palmer. After our discussion about Cobb, I think I'd say Cobb. How about Palmer or Nico Collins of the Texans? Palmer. I think I'd go Collins. Uh, This isn't to say that Palmer is a bad player. I think he's a good player. He's just, at best, the third target getter in that offense. The thing about guys like like Palmer, compared to the two that you brought up, is those guys are locked into their roles, which could be very solid production. Palmer is an injury away, as we saw last year, for being potential league winner. So I will take Palmer's upside way more than I would take the ability of maybe Cobb or Collins becoming a number three receiver. But I, I, my argument to that is I can draft Collins or Cobb, and if they're not working out within the first few weeks of the season, I can go to the waiver wire, and I can find a receiver who's an injury away from being good for fantasy there. Sure. So I, I'd rather just start with the guy who might end up being good you're, you're, if if you're drafting Cobb or Collins or Palmer to be starters for you, you're probably doing it wrong with how you're drafting your team. Well, certainly. So I'm, I'm going to take the upside. Like I mean, this is, this is a lottery ticket type of guy in Palmer who, as we, again, as we saw last season, when we had the injuries to the, the receiving core uh, for the Chargers, his production was great. He's tied to an unbelievable quarterback. And so uh, I'm not drafting Collins or Cobb. I'm drafting Palmer. I'm drafting like 10 running backs ahead of any of these receivers. Can I tell you how stupid I am? I mean, oh, I mean, I, this is please. unbelievable. Schrager, I hate you. You need to come back. <laughs> we are currently broadcasting in the wrong stream. This is the live mock draft at 1 p.m. stream. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God, I suck. I mean, this is what a disaster so I am. that whole elijah moore thumbnail discussion yeah irrelevant oh uh, well irrelevant I, I, i'm so, gonna change so, it. so now do we have to do a live mock draft right now i'm just i can change everything after the fact but to all of you watching live i'm very sorry i and i tweeted the wrong link and everything i just 
I just suck at this. <coughs> All right. Tyler Algier could become the starting running back for the Falcons sooner rather than later, according to The Athletic. That's a position battle we'll be looking at in just a moment. There are three players, or two players who are on the franchise tag who are not reporting to camp right now, and that's Kansas City left tackle Orlando Brown, according to NFL Network, oxygen. and Jesse Bates, safety for the Bengals. Uh, meanwhile, Roquan Smith for the Bears, he's not on the franchise tag, but he wants a new contract, and he's not going to participate in training camp for the time being. That's good. Kansas City rookie wide receiver Justin Ross is on the IR, is on IR, and he's going to be out for the season. So they drafted him. He he had an injury in college, still not healthy. Um, dynasty stash, I guess, at, at best. I don't believe they Justin drafted Ross. him. Oh, they, that's right. They signed him after. Sorry. Uh, Buffalo, according to Peter King of NBC Sports, is comfortable with Gabriel Davis being a solid number two wide receiver. And other Bills wide receiver, Jamison Crowder, has missed two straight practices. Hopefully he can get back out there soon. All right, I was reading um, ahead, in the sorry. athletic as well around the Bills, yeah. uh, Joe Buscaglia, who does a great job covering the team. Uh, he said, just talking about the running backs, that Zach Moss is still getting work with the first-team offense. And that's a little concerning for Singletary and for Cook, uh, probably more so for Singletary. Now, as, as he noted, he said clearly, you know, what they, what they did at the end of last season, you know, going with, you know, basically just a one-back offense. Um, Moss is going to have to really show something to earn playing time. But he said, don't be surprised if what we saw last year when he was a healthy scratch, if that's not the case anymore, that he will be part of the active roster. Now, again, you probably assume he's going to be, you know, third on the depth chart, second behind Singletary in terms of what role he'll play. But any role that Zach Moss has, because it seems like the coaching staff still trusts him, could just be a, a cap to whatever ceiling that we get out of more so Singletary than Cook, but for both of them. Oh, that sucks. Cause we're gonna it does talk, suck. We're going to talk a lot it, about that. Let's see if that sticks. It's early in training camp. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's 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 take a look at some potential ADP risers and fallers. And start with three quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts. This is a list from Dave. Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson, and Trey Lance. Uh, you think all of these guys could rise? You think some of them could fall? Currently, Jalen Hurts using Fantasy Pro's average draft position. Jalen Hurts is QB7. Russell Wilson is QB nine and Trey Lance is QB fourteen. Is the overall thing there, Dave, that they all could could rise? Right. That's the idea. Is that they they could get very popular very quickly. Now Hertz is already popular on this podcast. I, I'm the low guy on Hertz, but I know that Jamie, you love him. Heath loves him. You guys, I think you both have him as top five quarterbacks now. A top four for me. Okay, so I could see people start to build excitement for him. AJ Brown's there, great offensive line. You know, it could it could take one drive in the preseason, and everybody's gonna race to get Jalen Hurts on their fantasy team. And I might raise him where I am. I think I still have him at like eight or nine. So I could even raise him up. So I I can see that there's um room for more upside to be built in and more excitement to grow for Jalen Hurts. Same exact thing for Russell Wilson. If if he looks good in the preseason and there's all kinds of highlights of him playing great and you know he's going to talk after practice and he's going to say yeah it's great to be in an offense with so many capable receivers and they're letting me throw and etc cetera, etc cetera. people know that russell wilson is a good quarterback already he did it in seattle they will be way more excited to draft him and maybe reach for him and trey lance is you know could be what lamar jackson was in 2020 i think that was lamar's breakout year i don't remember all the years kind of blend together right now uh 2019 Sure, that's what I said. 
yeah. you could see Trey Lance kind of take that step in, in fantasy drafts where people reach for him before they take a second oh, veteran yeah. quarterback. That's exactly what I intend to do <laughs> right. in every so draft. You, so, like, if you had rankings and you were going to recommend get Trey Lance, you would tell people by round nine – Get Trey Lance and then worry about finding right. a car Stafford Cousins. This is the I, year and, to do it. And, and here's the thing. He, his year starts against Chicago and Seattle. Now, I, I don't know if I could imagine two better matchups for Trey Lance to begin his starting season with than Chicago and Seattle. Mm-hmm. So he like he's going to be a DFS darling in week one. Everybody's going to start him. And then in week two, he'll build off of the big game in week one. He could be a guy that gets you off to a hot start. I did say that about Lamar Jackson in 2019. I didn't love Lamar Jackson in 2019. I was the low guy on him, too. And he ended up making me look bad, and he was the MVP of the league. But I did say that he would get you off to a hot start because of his match. He played Miami and somebody else. Yeah. And Trey Lance could do the exact same thing. Okay. So if Jalen Hurts and Russell Wilson rise, I think I said Hurts was QB7. I apologize. He's QB8, and Wilson's QB9. Who do they move ahead of? Dak Prescott's QB7. Yes. Kyler Murray. Okay, but can they get past Kyler? Can they get I don't know. Burrow's QB5, so we have Burrow much lower than that. But get, Burrow will fall. I don't see Russell Wilson rising. I think he's kind of going to be locked into the 8-9 range. I just don't see how he gets a little bit higher because the excitement's already there. Now, obviously, the drafts are not there, but I think the excitement for what he is, you know, and, and there, there's pro and, and cons to Wilson that I think people will debate just in terms of the rushing, Will he, you know, actually produce more, even though he's throwing more? Um, you know, all the things that you're going to hear detracting Russell's. I just don't see him necessarily being. But but the other two Dave mentioned for sure. You know, I, I think Hertz can get past Burrow, past Prescott, um, because I think that's when you know the the draft process will sort of you know push him up. And Trey Lance is easy. I mean, you know, he's yeah. he's going to be. I think he's going to be the biggest riser of any any player. You know, just because once once they move on from Garoppolo and you see something from him. Uh, you'll see everybody's rank list changed, you know, and that that will be the biggest, you know, dramatic scenario I think for any of the quarterbacks. He has the most upside of anybody in round ten plus. He Hold won't on. be in round ten plus. Yeah, so that's a good question. Who's the biggest riser of ever, of anyone? Who do you think? Jamie Trey says Trey Lance. It, it's going to be Trey Lance. I'll give you one. I think Lazard could get there. What's his ADP now? It's like hundred and fourteenth. I think I said. I, mean, I could see him going in the could. 80s by the end of it all. Christian yep. Watson's on the pup list right now. I don't know how long that's going to be, but a Packers receiver probably deserves to be in the top 100. So they just got to we got to figure out who it is, and then that guy could really really move up high. Sure. All right. So could we be, got we got two like picks Russell locked Gage, in. Could be another one. Russell Gage. Yep. Yeah. He could. Gage be. could be another one. So we got two picks locked in. We can take Lazard in round eight. No one else in our league will do that. And we can take Trey Lance in round nine. No one else is going to do that. <laughs> well, that and wouldn't we've got really the two be two biggest ADP risers locked up. Okay, yeah, we should. Do, I don't know if you want to do that until their ADP actually rises, but sure. All right, running back, running back for Dave. He said Zeke. These are four running backs who are going in the RB two range. RB sixteen is Zeke. RB nineteen is Antonio Gibson. RB twenty one is Brees Hall, and RB twenty three is J.K. Dobbins. And they're going between thirty one and forty nine overall. Zeke, Gibson, Brees Hall, J.K. Dobbins. Dave, who has the most potential to rise in this group? Who's last? Dobbins? Dobbins. Dobbins. Because all he has to do is just start practicing. 
and looking like his old self. And I mean, even I'll chase that. Okay. So if all four of these guys have good camps, look like they have, you know, solidified roles. Mm-hmm. And you're already Gibson, hearing about it for with Gibson. Right. He's 12% body fat. Zeke Gibson, Brees Hall, JK Dobbins. Who are you going to take first in this group, Jamie? Who am I going to take first? Who, who do you have ranked highest now? And I guess I'll, I'll phrase it differently. Who, who do you have ranked highest now? And who has the most upside? It's Dobbins, as Dave said. The minute he practices, people are going to get more excited about him because of the team he plays for and what he started to show us, you know, pre-ACL injury prior to last year. Um, Wait, what's the end? Dobbins is what? The guy who could rise the most? Yes. Okay. Who has the most upside? I would be most excited to draft. Um, Who's the most upside? I'm ahead of all these guys right now. He's in the same mix. Um, you know, changes by format. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I don't see myself moving Zeke at all. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not excited about him. Um, mildly interested to see what Gibson looks like, but I don't want to get excited based on body fat percentage because they, their offseason has kind of told us, I think, what they think of him. And so, you know, he's somebody that I, I think he's fallen too far uh, because in some cases, like, like in the Scott Fishbowl, for example, in my draft, he went in like round eight or nine. It was just ridiculous. Wow. Um, uh, but clearly people are out on him for a reason and I get it. Um, his role in the passing game is minimized whenever McKissick is there. Uh, could be even worse if Samuel stays healthy. Curtis Samuel stays healthy. The receiving core is better. Carson Wentz didn't throw to his running backs to the same level that, you know, Phillip Rivers did, for example, in, in Indianapolis. Different kind of player, different style. Um, I don't think Wentz will, will necessarily make that a priority. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous about Gibson, especially with an offensive line that's going to be worse. Brees Hall, I want to look at the comparisons you can make to Javante Williams. One of them was the 36th pick in the draft. One of them was the 35th pick in the draft. Javante Williams went to a team that previously finished 28th in scoring the year before they drafted him. And Brees Hall is going to a team that just finished 28th in scoring the year before they drafted him. I think Brees Hall is probably a better prospect than Javante Williams. Um, I'm wondering why we don't have as, the same enthusiasm for him. Obviously, the role is going to be huge. We know if Javante Williams had the role that we want him to have, he would have been a superstar and a you know a steal in drafts. Um, I guess I, okay. I guess I shouldn't say the enthusiasm because obviously Brees Hall is going ahead of where Javante was last year. But I don't know. I, I, I'm not really feeling a ton of buzz for Brees Hall right now, the way I was for Javante last year. Um, and I think if, if Brees Hall can get a role that, that we wanted to see from Javante, if Michael Carter just plays kind of a secondary role and Brees Hall is a borderline workhorse, this could be that rookie first rookie running back that plays like a first-round pick. I don't know. You guys feel yeah, that but way? What's the likelihood of that happening? I, I, think it's, I think it's pretty solid. I mean, they don't have a ton mm. invested in Michael Carter. He was a day-three yeah. pick. He's a change-of-pace guy, I think. Brees Hall is, a, is an every-down back in the making. I don't know if it happens this year. But he's born to to be an every down back, I think. And uh, why not? Why not turn it over to him? You know, because the the coaching philosophy for that team is to use multiple backs. We don't know that. Uh, they said as much the day they drafted Brees Hall. They the could conference. say they sometimes actions speak louder than words. They're they're not going to draft a running back and then tell Michael Carter and everyone else, "Hey, you're done." Right, I mean, sure, but they're, they're also, also not going to earn a spot. 
Yeah, but of course. the Broncos drafted a running back and told him you're going to split exactly 50-50 with the other guy for however many games that you're healthy. I know. What I'm saying is if Javante Williams had, had gotten that role, it wouldn't matter that he was on such a bad offense. He would have been a fantasy star. If Brees mm-hmm. Hall can get that role, I don't think he'll necessarily be held back by the Jets' offense. He can be, uh, he could be great. We just he could be him, he could be very good. Him get the but role. Th- that that's the first hang up I have with Brees Hall is that I I think that he's going to split more than we'd like to see, and that's going to frustrate us. And uh, I just remember, wonder how long that lasts. Anything we don't think anything of Ty Johnson or Tevin Coleman. Jets think highly of those guys. One of those well, guys one of those guys is, is either going to be just a special teams player or a game day inactive. So they're not. They're not. But the connected. other one will play a little bit. The other Maybe. one will be a Zach Moss annoyance. Very, very, very possible. I, I think what'll end up happening though with Brees Hall is almost like what happened with Jonathan Taylor's rookie season. Like if if he's that talented, which I think he is, and he has that that type of upside, by the middle of the season you'll start to see him take over this backfield. And so it may not happen early on like we want it to. I don't think first off Michael Carter he doesn't have the the, the resume of what Melvin Gordon had. You know so. While Carter did some nice things for them last year, remember when he came back from his ankle injury after he had that great string of production with a different quarterback, they didn't go back to him. You know, he wasn't necessarily the same feature guy. And so I think that speaks more to Michael Carter than it does the coaching staff. So I think if Brees Hall does what Brees Hall's capable of doing, even in the constraints of what this potentially offensive, you know, ebbs and flows can be, you know, good, bad, whatever, uh, Zach Wilson holding them back, however you want to, you know, sort of put the, put the negative spin on the Jets. I think Brees Hall could sort of overcome some of these obstacles. You know, the fact that Becton is is there, I think the offensive line will be better shape. You know, if he's right, uh, he's a big piece of that. Um, they're going to try and run the ball. I think to pre- take pressure off Zach Wilson. I think he could prove that he's he's successful in the passing game. So I think Brees Hall is priced appropriately. Yeah, I'm just saying, I, I think if there's some reports that he's going to play on third downs and all that, that he could be a guy who really rises. and just Well, it's preseason highlights. Yeah, I think people yeah. are going to fall in love he with Brees Hall. He breaks the 30-yard run and then scores a short yardage touchdown in the preseason game against the Giants. Everyone's going to go nuts. And just one one more comparison to Javante Williams. Uh, Brees Hall, in three seasons, had 718 carries. Javante Williams had 366. So that is an edge that Hall has in this, you know, in this battle to, you know, to be a rookie running back who can overcome. There's more tread on his tire. No, he has. Tread? He has experience carrying a big workload. We know he can do it. Uh, well, well the, other, the other comparison also is both guys are better than Michael Carter. Yeah, but Michael Carter, pretty sure. damn good. You know, uh, I, that, that is well, a No, problem. I meant that there was the, they both played with him. They both, yeah. Well, right, well they that one well, one has, yeah. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll talk about wide receiver uh, ADP, potential ADP risers and fallers at wide receiver. And we'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562 562- 
314-4603 for complete details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Dave's got a list of five wide receivers. Jamie has a list of players, too. We'll get to them shortly. Uh, five wide receivers that could be... These are all risers, potential risers, Dave? One's already done it. Uh, Gabriel Davis. Well, I'll go in, the one. in the way order they're being drafted. Brandon Cooks is wide receiver 20. He's a round five pick. Jerry Judy is wide receiver 26. He's a round six pick. Gabriel Davis is wide receiver 31. He's a round seven pick. And then after pick 100, you have Russell Gage, who's wide receiver 44, and Sky Moore, who's actually going, I think, one spot ahead of Marquez Valdez-Scantling at wide receiver 54 and 138th overall. So it's Cooks in round five, Judy in round six, Davis in round seven, Gage late, round eight, round nine, and uh, Sky Moore truly late. Uh, these are your risers. You think Gabriel Davis, can Gabriel Davis get even higher than this? 74th overall wide yes. receiver 31. He's going to, uh, I've been talking about him for months. He's going to be the biggest breakout candidate on everybody's list at wide receiver. Everybody, there, there's going to be people who get too excited about Gabriel Davis, but he's got that type of upside. We saw it late last season. I think he's interesting to compare to Jerry Judy guys because they're going uh, nine spots apart. Judy 65th, Gabriel Davis 74th, and they're both looking for breakouts, and they both have great quarterbacks now. Uh, who would you guys rather have, Gabriel Davis or Jerry Judy? Davis. Davis. Russell Gage. If Chris Godwin starts the year on the pup list, which is four-game absence, right? Minimum four-game. Um, or maybe he's on short-term IR, which is what, three games? Or they don't have that anymore? I forget. Sorry. The IR rules. Um, I don't know what they change him. I think I think IR is three games. If he's gonna I miss it, two. if he's gonna miss at least three games, when I would think you, it is as well. I mean, when would you when would you take Russell Gage? I'm comfortable taking him in that same range that we talked about with Lazard, like round eight or so, because I think he can get you off to a decent start, and I think he's gonna end up mattering all season long. Okay. Would you rather have Sky Moore or MVS? They have. Basically the same ADPs. I've I've landed on more. Jamie, uh, I go back and forth. Um, I think more has probably got more upside because he's going to do no pun intended more. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I think it's going to be so frustrating with all of these guys. I mean, you're going to see with Miko Hardman as well. You know, Juju and and MVS and and more and. And Hardman, it's going to be, I, I think, just hard to settle on. This guy is a consistent starter. Hopefully, by the end of the year, one of these guys has stepped up and has earned a consistent amount of targets and and week in week out trust from from Mahomes. I shouldn't say trust because I'm sure he's going to trust like this, but uh, week in week out consistent production from all these from one of these guys, if not more. Um, you know, so it could be Sky Moore, it could be Hardman, who we've noted. Uh, you know, Jacobs, uh, Jacob Gibbs. I know you know mentions to you, Adam, but. Um, it, it seems as if every time Tyree kills off the field, Michael Hardman's been a, a go-to option for for Patrick Mahomes. You know, obviously Juju's got the pedigree. 
and MBS, you know, he's the one that they paid the most, you know, so they, they have different investments and different, I think, levels of, of interest going into all of this. And then we'll just have to see who comes out of it, you know, with the, the highest level of, uh, again, trust and productivity. So, you know, for me, it's more, I'm passing on Juju and I'm, I'm more interested in, in MVS and Sky Moore and where they're going to end up and, and Hardman and, and where they're going to end up settling. All right. A tight end. Dave has Pat Frymuth. Jamie has Cole Komet. So they're actually back to back in fantasy pros in terms of where they are among tight ends. Although Frymuth at tight end 12 is going 114th overall and Komet at tight end 13 is going 131st overall. Uh, I'm th- pretty sure Jamie would rather have Cole Komet. And how about you, Dave? Frymuth or Komet? I'll take Frymuth. I, I think see- they're. Oh, go ahead. I, go ahead. I, it's definitely easier to take Farmuth in non PPR. In full PPR, it's going to be closer, but I think that he's still going to be a red zone threat for the Steelers. You think Farmuth's more likely to rise or fall? Rise. Comet might make a higher rise. I'm having a hard time getting excited about Pat Farmuth. Same. I, I just. Just all he did was catch touch. It's a, why not just draft? I know because what it's a terrible thing to catch touch. Well, why? But you can't rely on that. Why would I? Why just? Why don't I just draft Hunter Henry? What's the difference? You know, because I think Fryermuth is a little bit more of an explosive athlete, and I think they're going to try and get him involved more as a middle of the field target. There's no more juju. They're going to get rid of the ball quickly. There's no juju the majority of the season last yeah, year. Was- and how did he do? He was good. He caught a lot of touchdowns and he made a lot of plays. He didn't make he as many. He caught a lot good, of touchdowns. And he admitted to that because they needed him to block more. I don't know if he made a lot so of plays. So he, he said this offseason, he's been told he's going to run more routes further downfield. He's trying to be more of a playmaker, do okay. more of the ball after the catch. Okay. All right. I think he's got, I think he's got a shot. So, again, this is a late round pick. It's, it's a little tougher in PPR, full PPR. Because I think Quebec could soak up some more targets, but I think he's—I think he's a better—I think he's a better athlete than Komet. I think he's more explosive than Komet. Okay, Jamie, I'm going to look at your list here of wide receivers that you think could make a big leap in ADP. We talked a lot about Allen Robinson yesterday, so I'll, I'll skip him here. But he's going 70th overall, wide receiver 28, and you guys have him in your top 20, I believe. So I know you guys like Allen Robinson a lot. Um, but there are there's a big group of receivers being taken uh, between wide receiver 37, Rashad Bateman, and 47, Alan Lazard. Bateman, Traylon Burks, Christian Kirk, uh, and Alan Lazard. So, I'm sorry, there were a couple running backs in there. That's why I got a little thrown off. But um, it is a decently sized group. Bateman, Christian Kirk, Alan Lazard, and Traylon Burks. Four, four wide receivers going between 37 and 47. Who do you think um, ends up by the time you know we're at Labor Day weekend? Who's the first one drafted in this group? Bateman, Traylon Burks, Christian Kirk, Alan Lazard. Bateman, by far, and he should be. Then who? Then if Burks has a lot of strong reports and potentially preseason performances, uh, he could have a huge leap. You know because I think. The, the fantasy draft process, once the NFL draft ended, it was basically London and Burks were kind of the one and one A. And then all this negative stuff happened for Traylon Burks. And I think, you know, then it's Robert Woods is getting healthy and is he the best guy there? And um, I, I, I personally don't get taking Woods over Burks. Um, 
But I think if Burks has anything positive to show people, he will be one of the biggest risers as well. You kind of don't want to see it though, right? Uh, yeah, I was on another podcast yesterday and, you know, uh, we were having a conversation about, um, you know, almost very similar to what we're doing here. And it was, uh, you know, I, I said to the host, you don't want anything positive about Traylon Burks. You just, you let, right. Let so you can get him late. Right. Let it, let it, right. Let it, let it stay where it is. Let everything positive be about Robert Woods. Let it be more about Derrick Henry is looking fantastic and it's going to be the same old offense and they're not going to throw the ball and nobody's going to matter. Blah, blah, blah. I think Traylon Burks has huge potential. So uh, the later you get him, the better. But I think it's uh, not not a bad idea if you uh, want to reach a round or two earlier for what could be a, for at least this year, poor man's A.J. Brown. Why would I take Traylon Burks ahead of Christian Kirk if they both have, they're both the number one option. If they both have the potential to be the number one option. And I guess right now I would probably say Christian Kirk has a better chance than Traylon Burks to be the number one option. Um, would you agree with that? That just as of right now, July 25th or whatever the hell the day is, 26th, Christian Kirk yeah. has a better chance of, than Burks be the number one guy. Yeah. So why would I take uh, Burks over Kirk? You don't have to. I, I don't think there's any problem with taking Kirk ahead of Burks. Um, you know, I think they're kind of in a similar situation where there's uncertainty. Um, you know, I, uh, Pete Prisco was at Jaguars camp as part of his camp tour yesterday, and you know he talked with him. He, yeah, he, he, you know, actually challenged him a couple of times on, you know, why is this receiving core being down, you know, not getting the respect it deserves and, and why are you being viewed as the poster child for, you know, guys who are getting overpaid and Pete's estimation of Kirk. And I know he liked Kirk before he signed Jacksonville. So, you know, we kind of give Pete a hard time about having a Jaguars bias because he used to, you know, cover that team. But, um, when Kirk was hitting the market, um, you know, I, I know some of the people Pete talked to and they were telling him. Kirk is going to get paid. You know, I, I don't think anybody expecting to get paid this and has the chance to play much better and prove that he was maybe not misused, but not used enough in Arizona. And so, you know, now it's a matter of, is there enough target opportunity for him in Jacksonville? And I think the one difference between Burks and, and, and Kirk, you know, the concentrated targets that are going to Traylon Burks, you know, this offense isn't going to necessarily have multiple options. You know, there's obviously Robert Woods, there's Austin Hooper, whatever they do with, you know, Henry out of the backfield, but that's kind of it. You know, I mean, there'll be some auxiliary, auxiliary, there'll be some other guys that, you know, have, have chances. Auxiliary. Yes. I've never heard. That's not a word we use often in the fantasy community. Um, If I see it in my card, (laughs) there's a, in Jacksonville though, I was reading this morning, you know, Zay Jones making play after play and Marvin Jones still there. And Doug Peterson loves the tight end. So Evan Ingram will have opportunities to make plays. And we know Travis Etienne's going to catch the ball in the backfield. And so they're, they're going to spread the ball around, you know. So I don't know if Kirk's mm-hmm. volume will necessarily live up to what maybe his play is. So I'd like the upside a little bit better of Burks, but they're basically back-to-back for me, Eric. Okay. Uh, let's move on a little bit here. By the way, you know, as a media member, which I used to be, uh, you're very low on the totem pole when you cover an event and you get sent to the auxiliary press box, uh, which is often where I ended up uh, when I was either a student or a young professional. Go to a game. Oh, man, I went to the Final Four one time. got sent to the auxiliary press box. That was in the ceiling at, the, <laughs> at Lucas Oil. And I, I, mean, I couldn't even see it. I, I had to watch on TV. It was so embarrassing. <clears throat> um, but, yeah. Uh, all right, so just... Uh, more self-deprecation I've here. I've had that at a couple of Super Bowls where um, it's not bad, though, because they put you in the stands. And I so, would like, prefer that. That's so cool. It, yeah. it was awesome. 
Yeah. It's, it's like, okay, fine. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Being in the stands uh, in a football stadium for a football game is great. Being in the stands in a football stadium for a basketball game sucks unless you have great seats. I yeah. do not recommend going to a Final Four game and sitting in the nosebleeds. You'll barely be able to see what's going on. All right. Uh, I just want to talk about running back training camp battles here to end the show. We're going to look at four, I'd say. Atlanta, Buffalo, Kansas City, and what do you think? Houston or... We should... I don't want to shortchange this. I'm, I don't want to shortchange this. I'm sorry. I have to cut the show a little short today. So anything we don't get to, we can get to on another episode. But why don't we just go... We don't need to spend five minutes on everything. All right, let's run through it here. Uh, okay. Jamie, give me your take on Atlanta right now. They ran the 30... They, they, were, they ran the second fewest plays in football last year. But they were actually a fast-paced team. They were 11th in situation-neutral pace. But they just stunk, and their defense was bad. So they need to run more plays, obviously. But give me your take on the uh, Falcons running backs. Are we actually going to get a, a Falcons running back that's worth starting? I mean, we had one last year. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say we, we don't have the opportunity to get one this year. I think if Patterson stays healthy, it'll be frustrating. And I think by the end of the season, Algier will be a guy that we're using as at least a flex. But to open the season, if, if Patterson's healthy, it's going to be – you know, probably 50-50 split at best. Um, I, I think they still trust Patterson enough. You know, it's not like they made a huge investment in Algier. But clearly everything that you're hearing, and, and it just makes total sense, they don't want to, I think, use Patterson fully in that role like they were forced to last season. So Algier is somebody that I think has the opportunity to be a flex, better non-PPR, half-PPR than full-PPR because he's not catch the ball. He's, he's a one-cut runner, physical type of guy. The nice thing about him is, is that when he makes a decision, he sticks to it. He's not going to dance a lot behind the backfield. He's not a shifty guy. So, you know, he doesn't have a lot of, you know, I, I think big playability. Um, so we'll, we'll find out how that works. But that's what Arthur Smith, I think, is looking for. He's looking for, you know, the guy's going to put his nose down and kind of just get the yards that are there and maybe, you know, uh, a couple extra on top of it. So I'm not excited really about either guy. But, you know, I, I think at this point, Algier makes more sense than Patterson. You draft Algier ahead of Patterson, or just wait? I'm starting to feel that way. You know, it's just I, I never really wanted to draft Cordero Patterson. They're so close in my rankings to begin with, and so you know, I think we'll also see based on their receiving core. Patterson plays a little bit more at wide receiver as well. All right, Dave, let's talk about Buffalo here. If James Cook is the passing downs back, and by the way, as Jacob Gibbs has pointed out, uh, Devin Singletary, I believe he ran the third most routes of any running back last year, something like that. So. There's a role in this offense for a pass-catching running back that just Singletary just wasn't, you know, good at it, I guess. But if James Cook is the third down, the passing down's back, can Devin Singletary, who was the number three running back in fantasy for the last five games of the season, and then he scored three more touchdowns in two playoff games, can Devin Singletary be good if he's just basically uninvolved in the passing game? Can he be a must-start running back? He can be a low-end starter because you hope that he finds the end zone and still maybe catches one or two passes on top of getting 12 to 15 carries. It's not pretty, but you're going to you're gonna realize this year that there aren't a lot of running backs when you look at the RB2 that are going to be just, it's not going to be plentiful. There's not a lot of guys out there that you can start comfortably. And so you'll see a guy that's got a shot at 15 touches per game who can still score from short yardage, and you'll say, okay, I'll take that guy. Yeah. And I think Singletary can be that guy if Zach Moss isn't taking work away from him and if James Cook isn't taking work away from him. You know, James Cook, if he starts making plays as a pass catcher, why they're, they're going to start to fool around and let him have some carries, too. And if he holds up there, then who knows what his ceiling is. Uh, could you guys see yourself taking Cook ahead of Singletary in full PPR? Uh, not yet, no. 
I think the fascinating thing with the Bills is Singletary is going to be the starter in, in quotes, you know, but what happens when he gets hurt, you know, and, and is it James Cook taking over that job fully? Is it Zach Moss? Is it Duke Johnson? You know, who's going to be the guy that steps in if Singletary misses any time? And then as we've seen, you know, there, there's been times in Singletary's tenure, you know, thankfully didn't happen at the end of last season for people that were riding him. When he struggled, they've replaced him. And so, well, again, will they replace him with James Cook, giving him more role, more role uh, to carry the ball? I'm, I'm so curious to see what they're going to do. Me too. All right, let's go to Houston. Dave, I'll give you Houston here. Oh, great. Do so you think, same question I asked Jamie about Atlanta. Do you think we'll have a a fantasy-relevant running back here, a, you know, a reliable running back for fantasy in Houston? No, I don't. Uh, I think Damian Pierce will be as close as it gets. I think he's he's a capable, serviceable runner, but I bet he ends up splitting. They're going to use multiple running backs there for different downs and distances, and and it's not a it's not a pretty group. Pierce will be as good as it gets. Maybe he'll be a, a fill in running back, a bi week replacement guy, something like that. They might have four or five good games over the course of the whole season. Okay, the last two are Kansas City and Seattle. Jamie, you can go first here. Right now, which Chiefs running back are you drafting first and which Seahawks running back are you drafting first? Still Clyde, uh, but it's getting certainly closer. And still Walker, but again, that's getting closer. And I feel like that's the wrong way to go because, you know, it, it's it's like we know Penny's been hurt. We know he's going to miss time. But what if he doesn't? What if he stays healthy? Mm-hmm. If he stays healthy, he's going to be the better of the two. You know, so it's like I hate it. I have them back to back right now. I might just flip it and put Penny first. Uh, you know, it's just I, I I know he gets hurt all the time. <laughs> you know, that's the problem. Yeah. And and it's like, you know, we just keep waiting for that to happen. But what if this is the the season that it's you know more than just a six game stretch? What if it's a ten game stretch? He's not going to produce at the same level because the offense is going to be worse. But if it's a you know a ten game stretch of him being the guy, or a twelve game stretch of him being the guy, or you know maybe he just makes the the whole season. So. Um, and look, right now, you know, I, I don't, I don't know uh, what the training camp report is, but uh, in minicamp, Penny missed time, and then Walker missed time, and as they ended their OTAs, Walker was still hurt. So, what's to say he doesn't get in, right. injured as well? Right. So, uh, you know, if they keep saying time and time again, Penny's our starter, Penny's our starter, Penny's our feature guy, every beat writer is saying Penny's going to be their lead guy until proven otherwise. How can we tell people differently? Okay, last how, question. How we tell people to feel good about either one of these guys. Oh, because this offense is sure. sloppy. So, who, yeah, I, if you I look at these I, two backfields, who do you take first, a Chiefs guy or a Seahawks guy, Jamie? A Chiefs guy. Okay, go ahead. You can finish your thought. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, I was gonna say it's like with with Seattle, Atlanta, and Houston. Those three backfields, for example, like you shouldn't feel good about any of them. You know, I, I think again, if you're approaching it with the idea of I'm drafting a fantasy starter here to open the season. You're not doing it right. You know, you're taking a chance. Hey, look, if you want to take a chance on and wait out Walker that he's going to eventually become the guy, that's fine. I, I totally get it. Same thing like you're drafting Madison, you're drafting Pollard, you're drafting the second guy there. You know, Walker's going to play more than maybe, certainly more than Madison, but maybe as much or more than Pollard. Um, so he may be good, but we can't trust that there's going to be a guy from Seattle that's that's good if they're both healthy. Can't trust there's going to be a guy in Atlanta that's going to be good. The offense is probably going to stink. Can't trust there's going to be a guy in Houston. The offense is going to probably struggle. So, you know, it's it's which which one do you think by the middle to the end of the season could be the most impactful for you? All right, that's going to do it for fantasy football today. We are live 1 p.m. on a stream that I'm going to have to create. 
uh, because I uh, <laughs> broadcasted the wrong one. 1 p.m. with Tara Roberts joining us for a live mock draft. So we'll see you then. Also, there's some content I want to promote real quick. Chris Trapasso on CBSSports.com did a write-up of all of the year two quarterbacks and what to expect. He's very high on Trey Lance. He watched every snap for all of those quarterbacks last year, so that's a really good one. So just go to CBSSports.com and check that out. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow on the podcast, and we'll talk to you later today on YouTube.com slash FantasyFootballToday. See ya. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.